Hello, I'm Emily Ashworth, the Farmer's Guardian's Features Editor. This week's podcast will go as scheduled, but we couldn't go ahead without acknowledging the sad news that Queen Elizabeth II has passed away. We know this is a sad time for many, and in memory of her truly iconic reign, we will be releasing our special one-off podcast next week, filled with memories from those in the rural community who had the chance to meet Her Majesty the Queen. Hello and welcome to this week's Over the Farmgate podcast with me, Emily Ashworth, the Farmer's Guardian's Features Editor. This week marks one of the most loved weeks in the farming calendar because it's Love Lamb Week, an industry-leading campaign started by the late Rachel Lumley. I caught up with one of the campaign's original ambassadors, or lambassadors as they call them, Olivia Shave. Now, Olivia and her family began their small sheep enterprise about eight years ago, and her produce, which now sells under the brand EcoU, has won great taste awards and was a regional finalist for the prestigious Clarissa Dixon Wright Award. Her passion for the sector and for her Norfolk horns shines through, and she is passionate about encouraging others to get involved in Love Lamb Week. I hope you enjoy the podcast, but don't forget to put your support behind the campaign by using the hashtag LoveLambWeek. Did you know the School of Sustainable Food and Farming has announced a £50,000 prize pot for farmers who are trying to develop sustainable farming practices? The Journey to Net Zero competition wants to support farmers who are planning to implement a scalable, sustainable farming system or process that will have a positive and measurable impact on how they farm. Grants of between £5,000 and £20,000 are available and you have until the 30th of September to enter online. The competition is being supported by Bradford Estates, Harper Adams University, McDonald's, Morrison's, the NFU, Trinity AgTech and Trinity Global Farm Pioneers. McDonald's is delighted to be supporting this competition. As part of our plan for change, we have committed to becoming net zero across our entire value chain by 2040. Helping our suppliers and the sector more widely tackle emissions will be crucial in meeting our goals. To find out more and to enter, visit www.fginsight.com forward slash net zero competition. Entries close on September 30th, 2022. Let's start at the beginning with you. What's your, what's your background, Olivia? Are you from farming? No, um, I'm not from farming at all. Um, I used to actually teach and work with special needs. Um, predominantly actually teaching and mentoring around food, ironically. Okay. Um, and so passing on kitchen skills and learning about seasonality and buying local. So it's something that um, has, has kind of taught me well. <laughs> um, and I also used to do a lot of cooking demos with farmers um, at shows and hosting and working alongside chefs like Mary Berry. So for me, I've always been around food um as a child i come from a big family and we were all taught very quickly how to cook very well and from basic ingredients not necessarily sort of um you know elaborate kind of foods but everyday kind of uh good family meals and that um you know my mum was insistent that we all had to be very independent uh, and help out and do chores and stuff. And, you know, I could cook a very good roast from the age of 10 easily. Um, so 
yeah, I guess I've just I've grown to love it. And um, that's my background, really. Um, my husband, though, uh, his parents did work for farmers in the village for a good 45 years. So he grew up around the farm. And then as he got into his um, sort of young teenage years, he would go combining and stuff and bailing. So he's got more, much more of a, a knowledge and understanding of how farming works. Um, so then we kind of, um, we had a, a tragedy in our family. We lost uh, someone very close and uh, we needed a distraction. There was a lot of mental health issues going on at the time with my immediate family. And um, with grief added on, it kind of um, accelerated all their issues. So, you know, as a family, I think at the time it was quite dysfunctional. Um, so we decided, as we got farming friends, we would get five little orphan lambs and we got them. And, it, you know, it just gave us all such a sense of purpose, uh, responsibility. And um, we all then started... Um, learning obviously because we never had sheep before and all our different skill sets started to really come out and um do you know from there it is never a, a question of looking back we just then thought okay we'll approach a couple of people who've got land and uh got lucky you know got because it's quite sparse around here yeah and yeah. uh just grew really so uh, then i got my first flock of norfolk horns so it, there was no looking back after that at all. Wow. So that's how the business Ecology was born originally? Absolutely, yeah. So um, we trade as Ecolu, but known as the Little White Lamb. So we then progressed into getting a farm shop. We had that for a couple of years. But I really, my passion was and always has been to have a dual purpose sheep like the Norfolk Horn. I wanted to, to breed my own enough that I could be have enough substantial fleeces to produce a yarn and stuff like that. So it's taken seven years to get to that stage to have enough. And um, when I, I always wanted to do the fibre side and I couldn't do that and run a farm shop and it wasn't quite at the stage where I could employ someone else. So um, we then decided, okay, we're going to progress to doing the fibre. We'll close the farm shop and um, rebrand as an EcoU and have a really good, exciting, fresh start. So that's where EcoU came from. Can you maybe just, um, you know, explain EcoU in a nutshell for, uh, you know, anybody who hasn't come across your brand before? Absolutely. So EcoU is, um, our tagline is invest in you and it's all about being um, farming regeneratively uh, working alongside nature with minimal interference, but also creating a lifestyle brand. It's a super brand, but obviously we alongside our meat boxes, we have, you know, we really wanted to promote the versatility of wool and get that value back and really educate our customers with the the you know the value of it and, and really help champion British wool again but taking it in-house rather than not getting the value that it's worth at a wool board. So we do all the work. So we have obviously 
you know, some of our sheep go to abattoirs, the meat that we have, the skins, and it's really about wool not waste, zero waste, being completely sufficient in keeping our breeding and everything else going. So one will counteract the other side and, and balance it out. But it's um in a world that, you know, climate change is happening right now. And the sooner we all get on board with that, with a, a, a fantastic material such as wool, you know, investing in you, you could be buying a wool jumper, but it's going to last you a lifetime if looked after well. It's biodegradable, it's recyclable. Um, so we do skins, um, footstools, knitwear, peg loomed rugs, and the felted no-kill vegetarian rugs. So I'm going for every audience. We are in an age of sustainability. We are in a society where people are really looking at the beginning of the line, wanting to know where the food comes from. And then you've got the British wool industry, which is, we have a material that's one of the most sustainable and environmentally friendly products. And we really need to get that message across more for me, that's what this week's about as well, isn't it? Looking at the whole circle of production. It really is. And for me, it, it's um, I find with a lot of people, it's about provenance. Whether that's the meat or the wool, they want provenance in uh, their investment. So I'm asking people to really support us, but what they get them back. And where we live, so our Norfolk Corns are called the Hurling Flock because we were originally known as East Hurling. The Hurling family were a really rich, uh, formidable family that instigated our historic sheep fairs held in our village. So our, our village sign is a, a lamb. And um, at this sheep fair, the last breed or the last known flock of Norfolk horns, as they used to be before they were kind of interbred, were purchased at this market. So I'm so fortunate to be have this lovely story of heritage so my designs of knitwear incorporate the family emblems of the hurling family to really tie it all in so when someone's buying something from me it's got a really nice story behind it and you know also with a society where you know people move around a lot more and they're coming into this village from uh, from another place geographically they don't necessarily know our history, so it's a way of keep sharing that and tip feeding them, you know, and drawing them into what they know is a lovely village. But you know, what makes it that? So, yeah, people and places, isn't it? It's all about people and places. And every farm has such a unique story behind it. I think that's something about our industry that's quite, you know, individual as well. Every single farm has such a different story, and we've got one of the most richest histories behind us so to not tell that story um would be a complete shame wouldn't it really in terms of love lamb week then obviously you said um you were there you know at the beginning um as an ambassador can you tell us a little bit about that and your role within uh, love lamb week yeah so love lamb week is um it's one of my favorite weeks for campaigns obviously i'm fully behind it um, I think the work that they do in educating uh, the public um, about where the food comes from is, is so vital. 
Um, so, yeah, so a couple of years back, they ran a campaign to invite people to be at ambassadors. I think it was a trial a trial year for them to see whether having ambassadors was uh, their thing and whether they want more to, in future years. But obviously now it's in its eighth year, so it's been really successful. And so many people on social media uh, across the British Isles get involved with their farming stories, just as you said. You know, obviously it's initially to promote lamb, which um, I could talk all day about, but obviously there's other farmers as well that are so vitally um, in need of support. And uh, really, you know, we're, we're facing so many issues at the moment in the farming industry. And um, we all need to proudly speak up and, and share our stories uh, and explain how food is processed and the value of it you know I'm, I'm fully behind this campaign it shares recipes you know health benefits of lamb and really it's um, just such a great way to keep exploring and dipping into carbon sequestration native breeds how they benefit biodiversity so yeah it's the one I jump on board quite happily and I think as well, um, I mean, you can find all this information on the website as well, but, you know, 70% of UK sheep live on land that we can't grow crops on. 65% uh, of UK land is grass, which is ideal for grazing sheep, obviously. I think it's a an ideal opportunity, isn't it, to weave those sorts of hard facts in as well for consumers to understand, you know, why we why we graze certain animals on certain areas in certain parts of the country, because that side of things is just as important, isn't it, to connect in the consumer with what we do. Absolutely. I'm always encouraging consumers to talk to their farmers over the farm gate as such. Like my Norfolk corn breed, they are they thrive on sandy soils, which we have here in the Brex. Really light soil. Um, they can thrive pretty much on nothing. So we only grass feed ours until we um, come up to tubbing time, where obviously we give them a bit more. But um, at the moment, with no grass, we're talking about grass and none of us have got it. However, um, I'm quite lucky like that because they will absolutely forage for amongst the grasses and, and dry stuff that have other sheep, more commercial sheep, like our pedigree Charolais, need a lot more. So... Um, that's where the cost comes in. So at the moment, I'm sitting quite comfortably with the Norfolks. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, consumers really need to find the full story and to really start an open dialogue and asking, you know, informative questions. And farmers equally need to be completely traceable. They need to be transparent in everything they do, whether that's food labelling, or just that general chat or social media. We need to really use our skills and promote one another and share each other's stories and create a farming community whereby we are, you know, addressing issues that the wider community wants answered. You know, with the Love Land Week normally comes a, a barrage of... Uh, issues from vegans and I think you know although not to get political in in all of this um love lamb is about eating balance it's we're in a society where we're 
starting to eat less meat but what we're saying is eat better meat eat british meat we have the highest welfare standards around you know we work passionately to produce a really great product whether that's beef pork or lamb you know we're, we're fighting for our rights really you know we deserve to be acknowledged and you hear horror stories all the time uh, from vegan activists and you know it's not about whether you're vegan vegetarian or, or carnivore it's about eating balance and making the right choices eating seasonally and especially with living costs rising at the moment for everyone um i think it's a a prime time to be able to share um that you can still eat good quality meat but cheaper cuts of it and it's you know lamb is so versatile as well yeah and i was just about to say you know in a in a time where we are looking at a price crisis and people are struggling you know even to buy a weekly shop uh, it probably goes back to what you were saying right at the beginning about what you used to do for a job you know we need to get into schools we need to teach basic cooking skills we need to talk about cuts of meat that perhaps have become a lot less mainstream uh, over the decades talk about food waste using leftovers all those are really essential parts of the conversation as well it does it really starts with the youngsters and you know they're, they're so savvy now with climate change and they are the ones who are going to really drive the change forward but it's up to us to pass our knowledge on to them it's like simple things like soups and foraging in season you know you can make great stocks from peelings of of you can make a stew so to speak and use all those peelings to create a nice vegetable stock for a soup the next day and um you know even with our, our meat side i make ready meals right with the bones we make our stock which can then be used as a jus and a risotto there does need to be more out there in in terms of of such skills and it does start in schools and i'm actually working with the school at the moment for another campaign the love british food which is coming up soon um to go back into schools and not only talk about what i do as a farmer but also really um, reviving those skills that I taught years ago and, and getting kids excited about food. Nature does provide for us and, and it's screaming out, telling us at the moment with an abundance of hedgerow fruits to um, maybe prepare us for a hard winter because that's normally a sign. But, you know, get kids out there, get them knowing and understanding what fruits are edible and and making things from them and I think kids love getting in the kitchen absolutely and I really love that line about you know nature provides for us uh, and one thing that somebody said to me um, and it really stuck was that perhaps we should be eating more of what our land around us produces when we look at imports uh, and we think about the trade deals and what the implications of imported foods are it's looking at that balance isn't it and looking at what we really have to be more self-sufficient in this country yeah and I think you know the pandemic taught so many people about self-sufficiency but since everything's moved back we've kind of now gone back to old ways but buying local is not only better but eating seasonally is more nutritious nutritious you're going to have much more health benefits from 
um, boosting those immune systems and stuff to carry you through winter. And you can know COVID obviously still a thing as well. So we need every boost to our immune systems we can get. But also, you know, the boost to your local economy by keeping everything in-house is, is so precious. And we, you know, so many businesses are struggling financially at the moment. And we see them every day. There's another one closed down. There's another one closed down. And we really need to be able to halt that process. Obviously, you're saving fuel. You're not, you know, going to a supermarket and, you know, Having conversations at a farmer's market with a producer is so much fun. We're not all scary, you know, and I think there's yeah. a there's a kind of predetermined conception about us, you know, and we really need to, to build relationships and far more like we did in the old age. You know, people have just got so self-consumed, I think, and so busy. Um, we fly around all the time and... Yeah, I think we really do need to slow things down and really enjoy what's in front of us locally. And on that note then, I mean, I have hand on heart, my favourite roast meat would be lamb. Like I literally love lamb. It's one of my favourite meats. But how how can we encourage people then throughout this week? How can we encourage people to think about buying more lamb? Think about you know um the dishes that they could cook with it how can we spread spread the word a bit further because obviously this is only a select time period for this campaign but we we all know with every other farming campaign that we do that we we push this message throughout the year don't we i think it it starts going into schools still but it goes back to that that discussion we had you know um more farmers need to be able to do perhaps podcasts or Zoom with kids at lambing time so they see from the beginning and then through to the end and, and really, you know, farmers' wives are notoriously good cooks, predominantly, <laughs> you know, get them in the schools and um, you have to have an open discussion with children. They have to understand that with life there's death and unless we have that frank conversation with them that this cute little lamb is eventually going to be meat on your table. They're actually much more resilient than what parents give them credit for. You know, they understand it a lot more than adults. I think with lamb, you know, it's so versatile, but unfortunately it is one of the most expensive meats. So I've been doing um, some teasers on my social about using cheaper cuts and giving them recipe ideas. But as we face the living rises, you know, the costs, we really need to be educating uh, about slow cooking and saving energy, using a slow cooker, freezing, sort of general kitchen hacks. And I think everyone could be doing that at the moment, whether it's Love Lamb campaign or Love Fish Food or back, back in British Farming, any campaign that runs. Not only do we need to talk about the nutritional benefits, but how to, to how to uh, maximise our money and make it go further and still, you know, taste that it's really good, delicious food. So I've been running a few. I know AHTV, there's a link on my bio to take you to their recipes. But get excited about it. We've got Strictly Come Dancing coming up. Let's do a, a fake away on a Saturday. <laughs> 
biryani yeah. or you know have a curry night have tacos you know it's all achievable and it's really fun you can have a nice afternoon preparing lamb luckily is one of the best meats to be cooked slow cooked so you can stick it on in the morning go out if you need to get out in the fresh air come back put your feet up in front of the tv with a nice supper that's just falling apart and melting in your mouth now I think uh, that is cue their stomach rumbling because that sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'd have to say my favourite one to make would be my lamb moussaka, which is featured in uh, Jenny's, uh, Jeffrey's Love of the Land cookbook. When since being a farmer and producing meat, one of the, there's probably two common questions or statements that people will make, and it's like. I never know how to cook lamb and moussaka is always slimy. So, you know, a challenge, obviously, I like to um, to take on. But lamb you can't go wrong with. You just cook it low and slow. The slower, the better. And with moussaka, I swapped a couple of things out, obviously, for our award-winning Norfolk horn lamb. And the compliments I had with the guinea pigs in my neighbourhood um, so it's the best moussaka they've ever tasted. Wow. So, a nice compliment, really. Absolutely. And I think just touching on, you know, um, you mentioned your award-winning product. Can you just give us a little bit of a rundown of awards that you, you, you've won and organisations yeah, sure. that you're involved with? So I think it was back in 2019, uh, just, yeah, it was just before COVID, we were... Um, finalists for the Countryside Alliance Award in the Clarissa Dixon category. Um, obviously, Clarissa was a huge supporter of farming industry, particularly in the rural sector. So we were recognised nationally for our efforts to educate the younger generation and how we went about that, but also really um, for our husbandry. We were selected and um, complimented very highly on what we do in terms of conserving a rare breed and, and sharing our story and um, promoting British food and lamb. So although we didn't win, we were down to four out of 800, I believe. Oh, wow. So huge for us. And yeah. we've also, we were the smallest that had ever been nominated. But the nice thing about that is it was public nominations. So, you know, although we're a small business, we were thought so highly of by our public to be voted for. So that was lovely. And then we, in 2020, we won a Great Taste Award for our Norfolk Clown. So they're the two main ones that have been recognised for. Yeah, and I know those Great Taste Awards are you know, really highly sought after by a lot of producers in this country. So that must have been a real accolade for you. It was huge because um, it was never that we wanted an, an award as such. We were quite a private family, but we'd had so many compliments about our meat. And um, as I'm a vegetarian and don't eat it, I was like, you know, are people just being nice to your face and saying it's lovely? And I thought the only way to really understand if it's a good product was to apply for a great taste award i'm so glad i did because it was fine tasted with 15 judges 
and the feedback was absolutely so detailed about the hedgerow that they forage on, the husbandry, and to have a palette so fine as theirs, to pick all these little details out was huge. And then to be awarded for it. And I thought, okay, so now I've got a blind taste in their panel saying they've got a great product. It was immense. Yeah, really proud moment. Okay, so if you were to leave some parting words on Love Lamb Week, what would they be? You know, how are we going to try and spread this message even further? Because, you know, we as farmers are doing a pretty good job, as it is, to to speak up. And, you know, it's probably the powers that be that need to make some changes to to, to get anything bigger going. But, you know, what's what are we saying to people to really get behind Love Lamb Week? invest in yourselves invest in you I think you know the the more emphasis and education we can get to the younger generation and get them involved in British farming there's more and more women getting involved in agriculture and um, we need to really capitalize on that our strength of, of standards that we have for the British farming industry and really keep getting that word across into schools and hospitals like the NHS. It's a phenomenal uh, movement that's happening at the moment, uh, both with, you know, meat and wool. You know, there's a big change happening. And the more awareness that we have with climate change and how we can just do simple things, not necessarily expensive things, but just taking making one change and uh, keep building upon that. And eventually, you know, as a society, we'll, we'll get there. You really need to um, consider what you put into your bodies is what then comes out. You're cutting down NHS costs, um, pharmacy costs, less doctor visits. If we concentrate on what we put in our bodies, eat less meat by all means, but eat balanced. You know, cut down on imported foods and... Um, let's get back in the garden and working with the seasons and cherishing all the changes that we can give our kids all this information for free you know and uh let's do some live you know things on instagram and get school zooming again and really take on all of this technology and embrace it and get ourselves into schools that was great to hear from olivia Remember to get involved in the campaign by using the hashtag LoveLambWeek. And as Olivia says, as autumn approaches, why not try out some new tasty lamb recipes? But that's it from me this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite platform.